Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, works for Gibson. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are delighted to have you. We've got a great show. Um, we Today, we're also joined by our good friend, Rob Chafe, Matt Cow Amplification. Right. He's, he keeps coming back. We're liking this. Raging Rob. We love it. <laughs> Raging Rob. That would be a great segment. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Well, that's pretty much his Instagram MO. Would you actually just let me? I, probably. Okay. <laughs> well, Here let, we go. We'll, we'll work on that. We'll we'll go to the. Let's, let's put that in development. Yeah, we'll 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 run that through the C suite and see what happens. Okay. Uh, tonight we've got a very special guest. Special guest. Who are you? Uh, Michael King, Cow Brand Design. Right on. Cow Brand Design. Now, where can people go see what you do while they're listening? Uh, you can either go to my website, which is cowbranddesign.com, or my. Uh, Instagram, which is pretty much it's it's electro strings, um, electro uh, electro stringed, yeah, electro stringed ed. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, and I think if you look up cow brand, it will get you to electro stringed. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. It will. There's good. a link there. Good. 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 Well, we're excited to have you on. I think um, you know you've been referenced a few times on the show. Uh, you are one of the few people that actually really do sort of every single part on the guitar scoop the nuts you know i mean and that's 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 counting all the hardware and everything so it's it's kind of exciting stuff yeah yeah it's artistry man you are an artiste it's a it's it's kind of the foundation of of me making guitars it was you know it was a if i was going to do guitars that had to be part of it that's cool well we're going to dig into that whole story in just a little bit, we're very excited to learn all about it because I think you're rather unique in the uh, in the guitar industry. So I would say so. Uh, you did say so, Tony. Thank you for clarifying that. I, oh, boy, I concur. Yes. All right. So uh, we got a few uh, now. Well, actually, uh, Tanya, what do we do on the show? Well, you know, Todd. For those who may not have heard the show before, that's right. We like to talk about gear. Specifically, boutique gear. Even more specifically, we like to talk to the people that make the gear. And that's things like, in this case, guitars. Yes. Amplifiers, Mm -hmm. pedals, accessories, all the good stuff. That's right. And occasionally... that's what Jared's supposed to say. That's what he always says. 101s. No, we love 101s. We love everything. Learning time. That's right. Yes, we have. We have (laughs) learning time. Learning time with Jared. Yeah, that's right. uh, And yeah, so that's the stuff that we do. We get the story behind the story from the movers and the shakers of the boutique gear industry. Right. This isn't Sunday morning uh, rock and roll radio throwback. But anyways, I'm going to shout in and interrupt (laughs) that I'm. Very excited about this episode because I've been looking at those pickups forever. <laughs> and I'm very envious of that design. So let's continue on so we can get to that part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the hell with the guitars. Yeah. We want to talk about the pickups. Okay. Yeah. Jared gently nudging us along. Here. Yes. Gentle Jared. Yes. All right. Well, we're glad that you're listening, everybody. If you're new, welcome. If you're, if you're coming back, uh, glad you're back. 
All right. Got a, like I said, a few announcements we need to thank. That's right. Road Mics for providing the Roadcaster Pro and the Procaster Mics. Mm. They've been very good to us. Uh, we love this equipment, and they keep making amazing things. Don't forget the Roadticulating Arms. Yeah, the Roadticulating Arms. That is correct. <laughs> Thank you. You finally said it. <laughs> Trademark Picardian. Yeah. Next, I'll get him to admit uh, things are as flat as a crepe. No. That's right. Uh, we do have, I did want to share, we got another great uh, new listener DM, and I wanted to share that with you, or email, a message, if you will. Uh, this is from our new executive producer, Rick Calhoun. Hmm. He said, Todd, I'm happy to be part of your Patreon supporters. Well, we are glad to yeah, have absolutely. you. Absolutely. He says, uh, my main gear of choice is a, uh, in the guitars is a uh, Music Man Cutlass. Ah. I don't know that I'm familiar with that. It's uh, it, it's kind of like their take on a strat. Okay, that's why. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the and a Fender Tele and a Gibson three thirty five, and uh, his amps. He likes to play through the Fender Deluxe Reverb and Vox AC fifteen. Mm, yummy. And nice uh, yeah. his his effects that he's running is the Wampler Ego, the Wampler Velvet Fuzz. Music Box Pedals Lila Drive, the Greer Lightspeed. Ooh, that one's good. Yeah, the Strymon Flint, yeah, Brigadier, yep. and Big Sky. Well, he's got quite, oh, yeah. quite the uh, Strymon the, setup going yeah, there. Stock and Strymon, yeah. Yeah. Boom. Right on. Says, I've been a big fan of the show for a very long time, and your show really has brought a lot of joy to my life. And that, thank you. That makes and that's you why awesome. we do it. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. I'm just here for the free booze. Yeah. <laughs> I feel uh, I feel like we could just sit down and enjoy some drinks together. And that's true. Honestly. That's, that's what we want. That, that's, uh, that is what we want. Yeah. People, when they listen, to feel like we could go sit down, grab a beer together, and just I literally, I, I mean, we talk about this all the time, but honestly, if you're listening, I hope you honestly feel like... Like you can walk into the room and you say, "Oh, there's my there's my well worn spot right next to the arm armrest on the on the old ratty tatty sofa, where you know there your indent has been." That's what I want right. you to feel like, you know. <laughs> you guys are all nodding. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I, that's truly, uh, honestly, I should have been. I should have started supporting you guys a long time ago. Well. Be that as it may, we're glad that you're supporting us now. It, it really, truly helps us out, and we're grateful for you and all of our Patreon supporters. Our mantra here is better late than never. Is it? Yeah, one of them. It is now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that works yeah. with everything. Really. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's get on with what's going on in our music world this week. Gentlemen, Tony's going to kick us off, and then we want to hear from our friend Michael King. Well, Todd, this week, something very, very special. Chance of a lifetime. Um, I'm coming to work for Gibson. No. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. <laughs> and Jared just quit. Yeah. That's, that, was really, no. that was well played. No. I did yeah, not. Nice, nice job. <laughs> so um, uh, probably, I don't know how many episodes ago, uh, we talked about my having the chance to play a couple of late 40s Gibson oh, art yeah. Um Through whatever, you know, you know, knocking on wood and whatever else, I was able to purchase 
1948 uh, Gibson Super 300. And uh, at the time, uh, my friend Phil, who has uh, the fret shop repair place here in town, had both a late 40s Super 300 and a Super 400. And I, at the time, wasn't even aware that there was such an animal as a Super 300. Obviously, I knew Super That's Force. hard to imagine because you know pretty much everything well, about guitars. So here's the story. They made a total of 215 of these Whoa. guitars in the late 40s, and, and then they did some cutaway ones in the 50s. Mm. So there's not very many of these out there. The Super 300 was basically um, a less expensive version of the Super 400, which kind of was, you know, with the L5 and a couple of other models, was Gibson's top of the line. So um, the main difference is it's got less fancy maple back and sides, um, less ornamentation, uh, nickel hardware instead of uh, gold. And, um, but by and large, they're essentially the same guitar. Okay. <laughs> did you, uh, if you give me the serial number, I can possibly well, find that in the shipping ledger unless they already looked it up. I, I have the number. It's an FON number. So it, and I, it's it's from uh, it's nineteen forty eight based on that. But yeah, I could look. But up yeah, the, you can make a picture of it for me. I thought you said it was a nineteen in the shipping ledger. No, forty eight. Oh, sorry, okay. late forties. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's at the time Jeez. Gibson used a different type of serialization number. They called them FON numbers. I think it stands yep. for file order number or something like that. But. Um, it's a letter with usually four digits that's written on the label. Mm. Those but, ledgers um, go back really far, man. Yeah, except and for the late fifties ones that are missing in action. There are, and including mine, yeah. my John, uh, Joe Bonham J forty five. No, we, that was oh, that, what, was, well, Joe, that, was, that was our would you one of our would you rabbit. <laughs> that's right. So anyhow, yeah. long story <laughs> even longer. I, I got the deal of a lifetime on a guitar that I will probably never, ever see again. I mean, these come to market very rarely. The sad thing is the Super 300s are worth about half of what a Super 400 is Mm. because everybody wants Super 400s. Um, But I like the way that this one played and sounded. And um, so I'm I'm just kind of beside myself right now. It It needs a little bit of work. It's going to need a pick guard. It's you know, but it's it's a super clean. I know model. a guy. I know a guy that makes pick guards. All um, parts. But there's a little bit. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> wouldn't do that to myself. No, they they do a fine job too. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, right now getting. Uh, there's some gluing that needed to be done, and when once that's done, it's it's ready to go. Cool. What so, color? It's a. a you know, a dark sunburst. Dark sunburst, nice. Yeah, they only made one kind, and it's a non-cutaway, so that makes it a little less desirable. Everybody wants the cutaway Super Fours, but um, I, I just I, so make sure you go look at what is this thing called again? A Super Super a Super Three Hundred. Go look up the Super right Three Hundred. Nice looking guitar, man. Actually, I except for the cutaway thing, I hear you there, but I like the sunburst. I like the like you said, a little more plain look of the Three Hundred. I do too. And the nickel, man. I, I, I'm not a fan of gold, gold hardware. Gold hardware, I've just, I mean, I have a couple of guitars that have gold hardware. It doesn't and stay I, gold, you know? No, you no, know, especially something that's 75 years old. Um, Come so. on. I mean, seriously, it doesn't stay gold. Come, not, uh, I threw a pony boy in there, nothing. Nope. Oh, no, man. Yeah, you, we lost, you lost We're not going to encourage this behavior. Yeah. Michael, you were laughing. I could hear you. <laughs> yeah, I caught a little of that. 
So, in a nutshell, that's my music world this nice. week. Nice. An exciting week. Probably there won't be any, anyone better than this. Wow. Ever. Cashed in some retirement to buy a guitar. That's fantastic. No, it's the... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael, what's going on in your music world this week? Uh, just more building. Building and building. And... Uh, Actually working on a, a a new pickup design that I'm pretty excited about. Ooh, right Since on. you mentioned pickups for uh, Vernon Reed, the guitarist for Ooh, Living Color. Living Color, yes. Yeah, building a guitar for him right now. Yeah, Very cool. I'm pretty excited about it. That's super exciting. I, I, I yeah. had an experience or a, a chance to, uh, in New York, they would do at Christmas time, it was called the Downtown Messiah, so they had all of these people doing... Um, um, you know, basically Handel's Messiah, only rock style. And mm. Vernon Reed was a, a guitar player for it. Uh, David Johansson from New York Dolls was there. Marshall wow. Crenshaw. And this is in this little tiny, I think it was at the Blue Note. And um, it was a very small venue. I was sitting, you know, I had folding chairs set up at the edge of an aisle. And at one point I look over and Vernon Reed is standing like right next to me. It was just like, I mean, it, it was, it was just like a, a surreal moment. And then David Joe came out a little bit, you know, they were, they would, they were watching the other performers Yeah. next to me. It was, it was, it was, it was just a crazy, crazy thing. Only, wow. only in New I had York. A, I had a similar uh, situation with that. Well, it's been years ago. It was back in their heyday. Actually, I was working in a music store as a repairman and, uh, this guy comes in this in this in the store and he, he's with this girl and I just looked up at him and I was like, You're Corey Glover. He's like, Yeah. <laughs> and it just turned, you know, they were playing they were playing a show here and he had a friend that worked at a very popular restaurant that was right down the street from our our uh, music store and he had just come to have lunch with her during the day. They were actually touring with the Rolling Stones, believe it or not. It was like their first tour. Wow. And um I just started talking to him and I had in the back a couple of bodies, solid bodies that I was in the process of building. And I was telling him I made guitars. He goes, oh, you got to meet, you got to meet our guitar player. Have you ever heard of him? It's Vernon Reed. I'm like, wow. Well, I'm thinking I know you. I said, of course I know Vernon Reed. <laughs> right. And he, I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to meet him. <clears throat> so he goes, well, just let me take these two bodies with me. I was like, well, okay. So I let him take them. And uh, he left me with uh, a couple of backstage passes and some tickets. And, um, I went to the show. It, it awesome. was oh, that's so yeah, cool. kind awesome. of interesting. Yeah. And uh, after the show, you know, I, you had to have to wait until everybody left. And then they gave us these stickers. We put them on. And uh, they came walking out. And Ronnie comes walking out with these bodies. And he's looking around. And he goes, well, you know, who, so who's the guy with these bodies? And Corey's, oh, that's him. And he comes over and start talking to him. We just start talking shop. We wound up talking shop for like an hour. Wow. Fast forward to to today or now so to speak and uh he just saw my work uh on somebody's somebody had posted some of my work and he saw it and he just frantically tried to get in touch with me and the first couple of times i just kind of like ah this isn't Vernon. you know you're getting these direct messages and then finally it turned out to be him so you know we got in a phone conversation i told him about the story he goes no i don't remember that <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I showed you some guitar bodies before. You don't remember? Nah. Well, you know, I totally, I totally understood. Oh, that's funny. No yeah, I never met those guys. However, 
just hearing the isolated track on Cult of Personality, the guitar solo, that oh, was yeah. a treat in itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can. Something else. When you can. Well, if you listen closely, you can actually hear the guitar pick picking on the string. Um, you know, besides of it coming out of the amp, you actually. Right. Well, you're better looking string. What's wrong with you, you sissy? You string. And he has uh, such okay. an eclectic picking. <laughs> that was Todd picking too. on a string. He was he was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. But yeah, that's really exciting, man. Is uh, yeah. is it going to be kind of like a noiseless humbucker or just something it, like you're doing now? It it, it actually it, it's a, it's as noiseless as I can make it. I, really, what I was after because at, with my you know with my discussions with him, the thing was not to make obviously what he already has. You know, so oh, you're going to make a guitar for Vernon? Well, I guess it's going to be like this heavy metal thing or whatever and it's it's really not that at all it's it it's um it's it's a little different in that uh it how can i put this it's more parlors my you know okay. i call my guitars parlor guitars i don't like to call them three quarter or anything like that I just call them parlor guitars because they're slightly smaller than a regular size guitar um but they have a scale that i consider to be as normal as any other scale uh, most scales are, you know, 25 and a half, 24 and three quarter or whatever. And mine is, is a 23 and a half inch scale length. But, mm-hmm. you know, the ES350, the Birdland, you know, some Dan Electros are all that scale. So I just call it that scale. Yeah. Cool. And uh, with this guitar, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to include a tool that he uses quite a bit, which is. Um, the ability to to do MIDI with it. So I decided, he, he came at me, he was like, I would like to have a, one of your parlor electrics, how you do it. In other words, don't make me what I already have. You know, don't make me a heavy metal guitar. I don't need a whammy bar or anything like that. He goes, I've got plenty of that, but I want tools for different things. And he his thing was, he wanted it for composition, but he, he was really interested in the size. He was really interested in my design. He was interested in my pickups, but one thing that I asked if I could include was the MIDI part. He didn't mention that. I just kind of said, well, I got to include that, too, because I know that's a huge part of what you do both on stage and just when you're writing. And he's got like this crazy, I call it the hive, that he writes in at, at his home. And, and part of it, you know, it's it's MIDI. I think the first composition, uh, excuse me, the first record that I ever heard him on a lot of people aren't familiar with this record. It's it's a record that he recorded with Bill Frizzell back in the early 80s, I think. It's called Smash and Scatteration. And it's all the very earliest MIDI, you know, the original hexaphonic pickups, you know, Roland had just come out with. And he's actually still uses one of those, you know, in conjunction with some newer stuff. But that's the only thing that I really was like, I got to add this to it. And it's not something that I've ever put on any of my other guitars, but... Because of how our bridge and all that's designed, it took a little bit of, you know, reworking a few things. And uh, I, after that, I decided that I did want a more aggressive pickup in the bridge than I normally do on my guitars. So that kind of led to me putting that extra effort into designing the new pickup for his guitar. But it still had to aesthetically fit with, you know, my, my look still. So, that, you know, it took some, you know, a little bit of work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I think once you have Vernon's done, you'll probably be building one for Bill too. <laughs> he, yeah, he, I love he, it. <laughs> he is uh, 
But I mean, boy, imagine being in a room with those two. Wow. Yeah, I loved it. I, that's the thing. I, I I loved both of their playing for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of Bill for. And funny enough, out of all the Bill Frizzell stuff that I have, my favorite is that the, the CD that he did called Nashville, like early two thousand. Hmm. And uh, it's uh, you know it's got some great Nashville players on it, like Jerry Douglas and uh, what's her name, the, the the violin, the fiddle player. Uh, I forgot her name, but she's just, you know, she's incredible. Everybody on the album is incredible. He went and got all these really just kind of converted me, so to speak. He just proved that you can just take all these styles and put them in the same room and still get amazing music. And it's not just slanted one way. And everybody's trying to own up to that, even though they're, you know, from a kind of a different universe, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Bill Frizzell and, uh, Vernon are two of my favorites, so it would be a cool. complete honor to have it built for both of them. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> well, yeah. let me know once you have it done. I'll, I'll shoot you over uh, Bill's contact info. He's a good. That guy. would be cool. He's a, he's a great guy, and uh, I mean, I've done a couple of projects for him, and uh, wow, he's. Uh, I mean, he, he, he literally the the nicest. You know, he 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 is next, so humble. Next to me. Well, next to Todd, he's he's the <laughs> nicest person that I know. No, wow. in, in the music biz, I mean, just super, super cool, super laid back, and I mean, you, we've we've had conversations, you know, for 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 extended periods. It, you know, wow, it, it's 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 really cool. And if you anybody out there is, doesn't know who we're talking about, there's a really really good uh, uh, documentary that was out a, a year or how two would, ago. Well, how would you characterize mm-hmm. Bill Frizzell for those who don't know? Who well, he is? I mean, I guess pigeonholed wise, he's a jazz player. But he has done so much more than just jazz. Like, yeah, really, I mean, really progressive. He is. He's extremely. Yeah, I mean, you just have to check it out and right. Check out the documentary first. It's a fantastic okay. documentary. It gives you pretty much everything you need to know for a base coat of, of Bill Frizzell. But, All right. Uh, yeah, but he's, he's, probably, he's probably got that's, 20, 30 albums that, right that's now. That's his new album, actually, a base coat of Bill Frizzell. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Michael. That was a good share. We appreciate yeah, we, that. We kind of took a tangent off of that. That's, that's all okay. good. <laughs> it's all learning and stuff. Learn about Vernon. Hey, Learn about uh, Vernon. <laughs> Rob, how about yourself? Oh, nothing exciting. Um, I think you, last you, time. See, now, that is... What we're trying to do is hold people's interest. Okay, well, um, let me... Actually, I think it was the last time I was here, I talked about this, and it. I just got an email today from a new sensor who supplies uh, Tungsol, Mullard, Softec, EH tubes. Mm. And I placed a big order, I don't know, about three, four weeks ago, because if people aren't already aware, there's some tube shortage supply problems happening. And, uh, yeah, so I placed an order maybe three, four weeks ago. About 60% of it got shipped. They said the rest of it would be in a couple, three weeks. Nice. So, well, yeah. So I was like, okay, no big deal. I'm just buying extra stock so I have it in case this shortage becomes like the toilet paper shortage of last year, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, so I emailed my guy today. I said, hey, you know, there's going to be some other stuff I add to that order when that shipment's ready to go. He sent me an email. I was like, well, it's not going to be anytime soon, and what do you need? He was like, it's getting much worse. Oh. Uh-oh. So mm. I was like, holy crap. He sent me a, a, a back order list list of what they have in their expected dates and it's half their tubes are wow. currently on back order wow. and, and some of them have no etas and i'm like holy crap so <laughs> is is it from uh like due to covid or the story i'm getting is that um some of it's covid um because the the, the details i've got is that you've got one 
factory in uh, the old Czech Republic, which is JJ. Right. And then uh, New Sensor runs two factories. Um, and the story I'm getting, those are the only factories that are currently operating. Oh, wow. Um, the Russian ones are short-staffed because of COVID and are, are, were, are short-staffed in addition to higher demand because um, the Chinese factory that burned down a couple of years ago, right. most of that stock is now run through. So, yeah, you know, the demand's <clears throat> still the same. And, and now those tubes that were covering probably a third or more of a demand are gone no. and put me down for a, a duet and a quad of EL84s please okay <laughs> I, I, I got a lot of 84s right now so we're good on that we'll see you know it's uh yeah i gotta call my guy tomorrow and be like okay what do you have on hand right now what can i p put my hands on so wow yeah Ooh. that is that has that's a, there are a lot of implications you're one fella yeah yeah across I mean, the world i do nothing i am a tiny little drop in the bucket compared to what the manufacturers, I don't know, some of these guys that have been using, the big guys that use, uh, you know, less expensive tubes, typically the JJ or the, the generic Softex. Like, I, I mean, I could be way out of line here, but it seems as though somebody like Fender, who's making that many amplifiers, they require tubes, it would behoove them to go, maybe we should make parts. <sighs> I don't, or invest in one of those companies that, like, in, you know, yeah, double, I mean, get I mean, the, get may, the facility up, yeah, double production. You may have Come a point on. there, but boy, production, Somebody. production of tubes, though. I mean, I, as I told you a couple of weeks ago, you ought to get into repairing tubes. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I, I, I can't figure out how to put the vacuum back in it, though. Well, you need to go up with, uh, you know, with, with the SpaceX or something oh. like that. You can do your repairs up in oh, outer space. Oh, there we go. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, how about yourself? Uh, so last week... I get a call from Andy Harrison, a mutual friend um, between all of us, really. Uh, and he was down here in Nashville, and he says, hey, I'm going to come over and bring chicken, and we're going to barbecue it. I think he's still he was still thinking I was living, living with another mutual friend of uh, ours. Uh, his name's Jason Quicksell. So... I said, yeah, I moved. He's like, oh, just come over to Jason's. We're going we're gonna to barbecue chicken and drink some beers. And uh, Jason has that green egg thing. Mm. And it is, Man, that, it is a, one of the best a, uh, ways. Barbecue. Okay, it's like, one of the yeah, best yeah. ways to smoke and barbecue food. It is so good. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, I just throw on a T-shirt and some you know, gym type shorts, just workout shorts. The specifics of this story are astounding already. It, 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 it will, <laughs> if you're patient and let me finish the story, <laughs> okay. what color you, it, it will all come together. Is this in, in your barbecue week or? <laughs> this is barbecue week with Jared Brandon. <laughs> so I show up and Andy, Andy Harrison shows up. He's got all the chicken and the food and we're cooking all this food, having a good time. Then oddly Freeman shows up. And his girlfriend as well. I don't. I don't know if they're married or not. But oddly, oddly Freeman Cheryl, is Cheryl Crow's guitar, Cheryl Crow's guitar player. Okay, and okay. they're dressed nice. Context. And I look. I look like the scuzz bag off the street. I had no idea they're showing up. But um, the really, really Were super great up? people. They look good. Yeah, they. Yeah, they're both in the music business. Very professional. Uh, they have professional music careers and 
You know, right. I, I guess I have a professional career in music gear. Yeah. But uh, well, no, I think, it I think was. That doesn't require you to dress up. So, so they had studded gym shorts or what? <laughs> it no. may as well. I don't know. They, <laughs> Lots no, of they, it, I had no idea. So it, w- it was it was a really good time. They're they're all super great musicians. And the part where I was getting to was we were all telling they were telling elevator stories who they got stuck in an ele- elevator with. And uh, one of them was um, uh, the guy who does Tutti Fruity. Who is that? Little Richard. The Little guy, Richard's the in there. Who does Tutti Fruity? <laughs> I, I know what talking about. <laughs> Tutti Fruity, rock and roll. Oh my god! <laughs> the guy who does Tutti Fruity. You know, you know the one guy who invented rock and roll, the piano. Uh, uh, so they were the telling all the these. Pr- <laughs> the, 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 oh, you know Elvis. <laughs> so you don't say anything, right, to people when in the elevator? I don't know if you don't know them. I, I guess it's there's a code for that. And I got to tell the, the story about my dad was in an elevator with Brian Wilson in the early 90s. And I think Brian Wilson was still under the the lack of care of that doctor that was over-medicating him. Mm-hmm. And my dad my dad saw him in the elevator. He's like, oh, my gosh, Brian Wilson. I've been listening to you all my life, man. I love your music. Brian Wilson looks at my dad and says, hey, how much do you weigh? My dad, dad was heavy set. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to get off at the next floor. Yeah, like how much do you weigh? I mean, I'm looking at I, the weight load on this elevator, and it's oh my god. So oh, yeah, yeah that's how does the story start again. How do we get here? This is barbecue. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, right. It's okay. a barbecue elevator story. The more the that's moral right. of the story is: do not talk to celebrities on elevators. No way. You got to. You Why have not? to. They're, they're it always ends up bad. I think it's best to push all the buttons. Yeah, exactly. Like, what floor <laughs> yeah. do you want? You get a longer trip with the celebrity I, I, that you're not supposed to talk with. Oh, well, I've been thrilled fun, with my elevator encounters, and I wouldn't story, take it back. Jared. Yeah, that, they, was, that, the chicken was good. The chicken was outstanding. Jason and his wife are fantastic hosts. I mean, nice. Megan and Jason both are outstanding musicians themselves. Um, and we know Andy is. And it was just, we didn't play any music or sing. We oh, just, I was going to ask if they asked you to join the band. No. Well, all we did was just eat food and have a good time and have a few drinks. Nice. It was a really good time. Excellent. That's awesome. That's a good story, Jared. Thank you. For, no, no time for your music world I know, this week. I gotta, uh, sorry, I gotta hustle uh, this along that's, real that's, quick here. Let's skip over uh, what so Todd has today, to say. It's not important anyways. My, my music week consisted of getting this really cool book uh, sent to me from, uh, well, via Jared. This is from uh, James. James, yeah, Fenerty. Yeah, James, it's it's his hand script. Uh, hey, our merch mutual friend Jared thought you might enjoy my book. Best regards, James from Rewind Electric. Yeah, and he sent me this really cool book. It's called <coughs> PFA Humbucking Pickup or from PAF. PAF. What is wrong with you, man? That's the precursor of the PAF. Yeah, I'm I'm holding Patent something and reading applied. at the same thing. <laughs> James is the same time. James is one of the premier pickup builders in the PAF world. Yes, this is really 
a he's one of the cool biggies. Book. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for him. There, so. I, you know, I was like, how cool can a pickup book be? Well, mm. now I know. I mean, this is really a cool That's book. It. Thank you, Jared and James, for for sending that. And yes, he will be coming on the show at yeah. some point in oh, the near cool. future. This will that be that is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I have the, this. Is, this is an excellent book. I have this. One. Of course, he has it. Tony has every every book yeah. known to man about. You do have that book, Israel. Tony Bellani? I do. Yeah, of course you do. I purchased mine. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe I did. T- I did too, out of respect. Maybe I can get him to sign yours. Uh, well, I can probably change the Todd to Tony. Yeah. Anyways, so, <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. Um, I, I had a, all kinds of other crazy, fun stuff happen in Guitar Week, but that was the That's kind of cool. a highlight. So I appreciate that, buddy. Read through that because you'll you'll learn a thing or two. Yeah, I will. That's it, what it's awesome. For. Jared, you you're down in Tennessee now. Nashville. Yes. Tennessee. Yes, in yep. Nashville, Tennessee. Texas. Uh, <laughs> are the same requirements for pedal boards necessary down there? Absolutely. What would be those requirements? What is the most important thing you can have on your pedal board next to your pedals? Tour, gear, design, <laughs> cords, cables. Uh, cables. Patch yeah. cables. However you want to say it, tour, gear, design. <laughs> Patch cables design. are yes. necessary to work all your pedals that is correct and these ones are especially great very low profile very flat as a crepe and uh yeah and they're super affordable and outstanding in all ways all shapes respects. and forms in all respects and yep. they've got a whole bunch of uh configurations that uh, will fit all of your pedal and needs. they're not gonna break the bank either. no they're not they start out i think that their cheapest one is under six bucks <coughs> go uh go try to uh duplicate that somewhere else people uh, all right buy and, a bunch of them yeah you can Get those at tourgeardesigns.com forward slash discount forward slash the guitar knobs, and you're going to save 10% off that. You're now, telling me you're going to save an extra 10% off an already low price? You are. You are. And if you just go to tourgeardesigns.com and then under your code put yeah. uh, the guitar knobs, I think it'll still work out. Yeah. And it'll, it'll uh, make your whole life better as far as your pedal board life goes. So... We, uh, we really appreciate them making an outstanding product and also for sponsoring our four on the floor. How about a little bit of this? One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. Michael King, are you ready for your four on the floor? Yes. Okay. Sure. Uh, the first one is the oldest one that I have, and uh, it's a, an old DOD wah volume control. Okay. And it's compact. It's it's small. It's as heavy as a brick. I don't like it as much <laughs> for the Y as I do for the Ryan control. The Ryan control on it is just crazy good. And I haven't seen anything. I, I, I The Ernie Ball is good, but it's a bigger. It's a little bit bigger than I like. So mm-hmm. I'm really with this. And I've had it since I think they first came out. It's pretty old. Is that a die cast and, one? It's it, it is heavy. I had one of those for years. Yeah, I guess it's diecast. <laughs> I, it, it's he's right. It's heavy. It's a big. You know, as far as the height goes, it's kind of tall, but it's really short. It's a short, strange thing. But I love the volume control on it. That's yeah. cool. And, then, and there's in that's, there's like a side kick pedal that you have to go from the from volume to wah. I remember that being. There's a, a little yeah. There's a little button on the side yeah. that you push in and yeah, and it changes it. Yes. And uh, 
It's uh, it was given to me as a birthday present when I first started playing guitar. Nice. And uh, mm. uh, uh, let's see. The second thing is a kind of a strange thing. I'm a compressor junkie. I love compression. Interesting. It's my all-time favorite thing. Um, it is. Uh, it's the company is. It's. It's got kind of two company names. The box says Flip, F L I P, but on the pedal it says when you flip it over on the on the bottom of it it says Tokyo Sound. It's like a Japanese compressor. It's got a tube in it too. It's a wow. it's old too. Yeah, I think I got it back in the uh, ninety five, ninety six, somewhere around there. Ooh. And uh, I've been using it ever since. And uh, Tony's I, looking I, it up. Yeah, it's Flip. I think. It, it, you'll find it under the, the name Flip Electronics or Tokyo Sound, one of those two. Kind of a strange pedal. I've never seen another one around like it. Wow. Yeah, I bought it off of eBay when eBay first jumped in the scene. I said, well, you know, it's a compressor. I said, well, let me try it, you know, because it, it was the first one I'd seen with a tube in it. Before that, I'd use the old Ross, you know, those old Ross, mm -hmm. uh, I think it was brown or tan color yeah, or something. Yeah, brown. Yeah, right. it looks like it's, a, it's made oh, by Gaiatone. Gaiatone, yep. Yeah, Gaiatone sold them. They were the distributors of it. Okay. That, uh, but that's funny you mention that because I have a Gaiatone pedal. It's a it's a little green micro Gaiatone compressor. Mm -hmm. That would be the next one I like. <laughs> do, you, do you find that there is a huge difference in all of your different compressors? It sounds like you, Oh, you know, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that that flip yeah. compressor—that's, I mean, thing's got what six knobs on it. That's not your yeah. typical compressor by any stretch of the imagination. Nah, it's a weird thing. I haven't seen any others. It's like a preamp uh, too. Whoa! Yeah, I, yeah, you <laughs> I've had it onto it. I'm looking at one that's uh, three grand. Wow! <laughs> what? Ah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Just a Dude, compressor. That's, that's there's one on on reverb right now for two eighty. So quick, buy that and try to flip it for three grand. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Heck, I think I paid like 30, 40 bucks for this one. Exactly I, anytime I see a compressor, awesome. I'll try it. I'll, I'll try it. Have you so, ever tried the, um, what's my favorite one, the Demeter? Yeah, I, I, I did. It, I, it's not that I didn't like it, but it sounded too much like something I already had at the time. I don't remember what it was. It's but very yeah, studio-like. It doesn't impart much of anything, you know? Right, it, it, I wouldn't say it's definitely it's like geared directly towards a guitar or bass, but mm -hmm. it, it's it's a compressor. Yeah. Um, uh, the only other compressor that I would like to have that I still don't have is getting more expensive by the day. Are you guys familiar with Tom Schultz? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, he made a, a a compressor back in the day. You know, that's where his sound comes from. That Boston sound comes from that. But he made a compressor back. And you remember the blue boxes that he made? The, oh, the, yeah, the Rockman, Rockman stuff? Series. Third rack right. series, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those little half-size rack boxes. He had one. It was mm -hmm. called the Sustainer. Yep. And uh, whew, that, that's that's another compressor that I would like to have. I don't have one yet, but I, it's one I like to have. I tell you what, I just had someone um, email me to repair a couple of those, actually. Um, oh, and, and yeah. I have to get one from them. Well, well, there's the problem. When they go bad, they really go bad. They're done. <laughs> They're kind uh, of done. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, he, but he uh, he sold them on uh, online, broken. Each one for like a buck, buck and a half, something like that. Wow. So I was like, there you go. That's the best thing you can. I wonder do. if he could send them back to Tom Schultz himself and have him do them. I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be a thing. Yeah. Uh, my fourth pedal, though, that uh, that I would really dig. To, you know, I, it's something I'm going to hung on to a long time. It's something I just got, 
And uh, I'd looked for it a long time. As a matter of fact, I put up a thing on Instagram asking for uh, suggestions. I, you know, I have a all the 1300 series Silvertone amps, the, the really old ones with mm-hmm. the tweed and and uh, alligator skin yep. combinations on them. Well, they sound wonderful, and but they they're made. You know, the cabinets are made out of this compressed cardboard. You know, they're all two, but when they break up, there's just no brown sound like that. And part of it is obviously because of the cabinet. You know, the cabinets are a little soft, so it takes a little of those square waves out of it. Um, I've been looking for a pedal that I could get that sound with because dragging those things around is just not something you do. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody, I got a bunch of suggestions for pedals, and one person said, try a Wampler, a Thomas. Mm -hmm. And I I sampled that and, yeah, and fell in love with it. But I didn't buy it right away. And uh, I just kept looking at it. So I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And finally, he comes out with that that Andy Wood uh, gear drive. And uh, that is I, that I'm in love with that thing. I, <laughs> that's my newest acquisition. It is just the most amazing overdrive pedal I've ever used. And it's two pedals. It's that I think it's a Pinnacle and a Tumnus in one box. Right, I remember that one now. Yep, I remember the release it, on that. It, you know, yeah, we, we the, had uh, we had True North on recently, and he's uh, got one called the the, the, the Tweed, and the that tweed. has a great range. I mean, it is it is a, um, uh, a how do you want to say an undersung? An, an, uh huh. Yeah, I, I have to check I, that. I think out it's too. a good good amp substitute. I mean, I mean you, yeah, you, I mean you could you could. There's a lot of range in that, and it's a little tiny like pedal, and it actually has Tweed fabric all wow. over it and it's uh it sounds great it sounds fantastic it's called true north is a company yeah i'll check i'll definitely check it out yeah I'll definitely check it out nice yeah but those are my those i, I basically i cool. just the 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 volume pedal i've yeah. got a couple of compressors and one other pedal that i have that's not really even a pedal it's just a a looper pedal it's a uh TC Electronics looper pedal, but that's it. I don't have a lot of pedals. I just most everything I do is pretty much those pedals through an amp, and that's it. Cool. Well, there's definitely a couple on there that we have not had on. Yeah, that's yeah. great. On our list I love before. it. That's cool. David Kaminga uh, is going to buy all of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it is one sure. of our listeners' favorite segments, so I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Sure. Um, but by and large. Our, the favorite segmentation we've got in in our show is the interview, of course. So, Michael, we're okay. really thrilled to find out more about your story, how you got started in this, uh, but mostly about like your design decisions and and how you're going about this process. And I know Tony and Jared and and Rob all have um, a, a lot of questions. So. Um, uh, make sure where can people if people haven't heard yet so far where can they go to see your stuff com and my instagram which you can access through the website is uh, uh electro stringed solid all right yeah. so uh ladies and gentlemen you're gonna find at either of those destinations some uh, really intriguing designs uh very different very different designs. Uh, there's a retro aspect to it. There's a future aspect to it at the same time. And uh, it's it's pretty neat stuff. So let me ask you, Michael, uh, are you 
by trade a fabricator or where does this all come from? Ah, (laughs) That's a tough question. I, 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 I graduated as believe it or not, as a, uh, a motorcycle mechanic initially, I went to a school called South County technical It was a three year program. And, uh, uh, I, I di- did do a lot of fabrication because uh, in the classes that I had, you know, I get a lot of stuff that just did not exist anymore, parts and things like that. So we were taught to, you know, that, that is part of the program. But at the same time I was doing that, you know, from age seven, literally from age seven, I worked in a hobby shop and wow. I did everything. I built radio controlled planes, helicopters. I did train layouts. You know, I would... I would get contracted out to go build these layouts out of books, out of these layout books from Atlas and companies like that. And uh, every once in a while, somebody would come in. Uh, generally, it was a, a wife. She would come in and she would be like, I want my husband to have this airplane or whatever. But, and she thought she could walk in and buy it. It'd be like one he had to build and, you know, paper the wings and dope them and all of that. And, you know, the, the owner was one on uh, shop was owned by one guy. And he's, well, you, you know, you have to build these. And he's, oh, I can't do that. So, well, you can hire this guy. He'll do it for you if you got the time. So that's how I kind of got into building radio control planes and models and things like that. And, you know, a lot of fabrication in that. Well, you know, there and, was uh, another motorcycle uh, repairman racer. By the name of Paul A. Bigsby. Bigsby. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that did. Uh, well, you, and, and a lot and of what he did on the design of the Bigsby, Bigsby tremolo and other in his guitars were directly related. You know, the original, uh-huh. big, the original Bigsby springs were uh, were valve springs from a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have known that. That's incredible. And it's funny. I, I don't even think that's mentioned in his book. I've got his the book on him. And yeah. That's that a, isn't that's even a, mentioned there. That's a great book yeah. by one of our other friends. Yeah. And. Andy Babiuk. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That that's a great book. Uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, what was the other motorcycle guy's name? Um, built the uh, most right. Simi Mosley was a motorcycle that's racer. Right. Oh, that's right. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Well, you are yeah. one of three of an illustrious <laughs> three, three known <laughs> motorcycle. Well, yeah, but that's kind of a that's kind of a special thing. Yeah, you know? that that's explains cool. Moserite's pickups. Um, he used Bondo to construct those pickups. Wow! I oh, there we go. Yeah. So that, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, uh, they're very crude. Yeah, mm. so. they work. <laughs> yeah, they're they're legendary now. So. Yeah. So yeah, I um, I I uh, the, the, the whole time I was in, you know, working in the hobby shop, I was like I said, I was going to that school, but that all just came crashing down, and that's kind of what led me to the music, the music store job that I got. Huh? And where was that? And, uh, it was uh, the name of the music store. Yeah. It was this place called Baton Music, and uh, it's, this is all so interconnected. I, if, if I could, I'll, I'll try and connect it for you. Um, it was a music store, and it was in a kind of a uh, an area kind of called the Loop. I lived like in this suburb, and it had like this this little con- this little spot between the suburb that I lived in and the the more urbanized city part. And uh, it's in Missouri. It was in Missouri. Yes, this okay. is in Missouri. And um, uh, how can I put it? Well, when I was working in a hobby shop, the stri- something happened. I worked there for like seven years. 
And uh, from a you know from a kid all the way up until high school, my last year of high school, the guy that owned the hobby shop passed away. That I you know where I was working, and um, I thought, well, that's that, you know. And it was my last year of high school, and uh, another job that I always wanted. It's going to sound crazy. Was I always wanted a job at Radio Shack. I don't know if you guys remember Radio oh, Shack. Oh yeah, of course we do. Yeah, heck yeah, well, man. They had all sorts of toys and gadgets. Right, and right. Well, I always wanted to work there, and I there was a Radio Shack not far from my house, and I just thought, well, I'm going to go see if I can get a job. And I went in, and I asked, and the guy knew me because I was in there buying parts and stuff all the time. (laughs) And he goes, well, we don't have any openings, but he wrote this number down. It was a regional manager. He says, call this guy up. And I called him, and he goes, yeah, you know, come down. They they were opening up one in this mall. So he says, if you come down here and help us unload everything, get the cases and everything, I promise you a job. Well, I went down there and I did it. And this was like right before Christmas. I went down there and I did it. And uh, right after that day, I came home and I got a phone call. It was from a guy that owned a music store. And he asked me if I needed a job. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you know. So he told me he knew this guy, his name was Pete, that owned the hobby shop. It was called, the hobby shop was called Pete's Hobby Shop. And he says he knew him and you know he knew that, that he had passed away. But what he told me was, Pete had always talked about him. They were good friends. They did lunch and stuff. He said, he'd always talked about you. So you were really good with your hands, blah, blah, blah. And we have need for that. You know, if you want a job, I was like, ah, no, no way. I got this really cool job at, at Radio Shack. He's <laughs> 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 like, are you crazy? Give up. No, I'm, I'm, I got Radio Shack job. So anyway, uh, he convinced me because the place was in the loop and it was really close to my house where the Radio Shack job took like an hour and a half to get oh, to wow. on a on a bus. And, you know, I was still going to high school and everything. It was the middle of winter. And, you know, this was closer. He goes, not only that, you know, if you can find your way down here after school, I'll drive you home every day. Well, I took that job. Now, yeah. when I got there, all that was there was pretty much he sold sheet music and had a few used things. And uh, one of the things that uh, I thought was a little interesting about the place, you know, when I got there, he had a case and had electroharmonics pedals in it. And at that time, you know, they were just they were the original electroharmonics, you know, your soul preachers, your big muffas. They weren't the things we see now, you know, the re, you know, the new versions of it. He, he still had this stuff in his cases and he only had a few of them, didn't have a lot of guitars or anything. But, you know, I didn't know what they were because I didn't play any instruments. I didn't know anything about instruments. And that's one of the things that I told him. I said, well, you know, I don't, I, you know, why would I want to work here? I got a job at Radio Shack. I don't play any instruments. I don't know anything about it. Well, he said, well, just come down here, you know. So basically, when I got there, I was sweeping floors. He sold lots of sheet music. I was, you know, straightening the racks out, you know, putting stuff. But every once in a while, somebody would come in with an instrument or something. Well, that's not something that I knew how to fix, but... What was cool about this guy was he sent me first to uh, uh, Woodwind Repair School. And it was like over, I think it was like over two months or three months. And it was like two or three times a week. It's been so long. This was quite a while ago. And I did that. And I did, I was, so I was doing a lot of brass and woodwind. And what he did was he picked up that, the business for that, you know, from the schools and everything else. But Every once in a while, because it was the, the music store was right next to a college as well, people would come in with these guitars, and they would literally, these college students, they would ask to have them tuned. They would say, can you tune this or put strings on or whatever? And he was like, well, I don't know how to do that. So 
I took a method, a Mel Bay method, and taught myself to tune a guitar. And then from there, I learned to play one. And then it just kind of snowballed. And eventually, we wound up. We went. To, I went to my first NAMM show with them. We wound up with Gibson and Epiphone lines. And I became a certified warranty repair place from there. And from there, I got a book on Benedetto, you know, Benedetto arch tops. I learned to build arch tops and I worked at Canelling Violin for a while. And then it, it just snowballed. It's, all this stuff is interconnected. And uh, it's well, just cool. kind of one of those. It's a typical, you know, despite what you're trying, you think you want to do, <laughs> sometimes things yeah. yes. fall exactly. into your, That's ex- in, on your path. Exactly. And I didn't, it's not something that I, is just the furthest thing from my mind. I didn't. It, it took me no time to even learn to play a guitar. Um, I, I basically, uh, uh, the thing that kind of launched me into what I'm doing exactly right now is one thing, because this is in the St. Louis area, you know, you got your, 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 your uh, path from the south to the north. A lot of blues musicians would come through, you know, St. Louis on their way migrating to Chicago, which right. is where a lot of great blues came from after it left the South. You know, your Muddy Waters and all them, they, you know, they started out in the South, but that electric Chicago sound that we all know so well, you know, from Muddy Waters and people like that, you know, is kind of a Chicago thing. But some of them stopped. They didn't go all the way to Chicago. They wound up in St. Louis. And I got to meet a lot of them not knowing who they were. A lot of them have passed away. And, um, uh, I was lucky enough, you know, I just fell into this blues community and met all these people that I didn't even know who they were until I started reading, like, reading Living Blues magazines and things like that. And I started working on a lot of their equipment, you know, people like Henry Townsend, Tommy Bankhead. Uh, I think the highlight was selling an instrument to Hubert Sumlin, uh, uh, Holland Wolf's, you know, guitar player. Mm-hmm. But uh, I... That was kind of a mail order kind of deal. A guy that worked in my shop was on tour with a, a touring musician and was on the same bill with him and just started trading information. Before I knew it, I got the phone call. But what was cool about it was there were a lot of inner city, what we call storefront churches. And they would bring these instruments into Baton, where I worked, and want to trade them in. And by that time, we had you know, kind of middle of the road instruments like hondos and courts and things like that. And they would bring these instruments in. There were harmonies, K's and silver tones, wanting to trade them in on these these kind of faux uh, less Pauls in that that kind of looked like more expensive. Whenever they would bring them in, Harold would take them in, the owner would take them in as part of the down payment. I would immediately buy them. <laughs> and, right. And I amassed a collection. and I just fell in love with the sound. And that yeah. sound yeah. is what I was hunting for in the things that I do now, because I've always loved K's, harmonies and you know, silver tones and all those types of things. So what I make now, like with my pickups and that, it's not exactly that sound, but I like to think that I kind of, if they had, these companies would have stuck around and finally got to a place where they were taken a little bit more serious and because of that invested more in the products that they were doing would be what kind of where I'm, you know, what my instruments are. So, you know, so, they, they, so the, you basically your uh, manufacturing of guitars or building of guitars came from, uh, the repair side of things. Was it, was it, simu- yes. Oh yeah. Was it simultaneous or is it, was it, uh, you know, you did repairs for a number of years and then, Oh, I did repairs. Pretty much for, for, I guess, about 10 years before I even considered building an instrument. And the first instrument 
that that I built was a base for a bass player by the name of Stanley Clark. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with him. Oh my gosh! Jeez. Yes, of course. I like how yeah, I made a base for him. Uh, yeah, a, a, a <laughs> yeah, guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. A, 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 guy. a, a bass well, some people player have it. named Stanley Clark. Oh my god! Uh, some people have it, believe it or not. Oh. <laughs> You'd be surprised. But yeah, I built him a base, which was really cool. You know, I got to go to a show and watch him play it on stage that, and everything. That is, if you've never seen, like, it's. It is one of those things, like, it is arguably, like, life-changing as a musician to watch Stanley Clark play live. Yeah. I mean, it, it oh, is yeah, he's, yeah, remarkable. Definitely. remarkable. Definitely. And this is, yes, yes, definitely. And he's another one. And, you know, I, I kind of knew who he was at the time. You know, I, I got a call from a studio, and the engineer there was a very good friend of his. It was a studio. It was a short-lived, very expensive studio for this area. They came to St. Louis. They built a studio. Didn't survive, but... The engineer that they brought in from L.A., who was actually from L.A., knew Stanley. I, they, I, you know, I don't know how that, you know, what the connection was there, but he knew him very well. And Stanley was coming to St. Louis to do some work or something. And he told him about me. You know, I met with him, and before I knew it, I was building a base, and uh, you know, it was really cool. It was just kind of wow. a cool experience. But wow. he, you know, he left, and it, it, it was on like a return trip. And funny enough, there was a guy that he played with. I don't know if you ever heard of this guy, but his name is George Duke. He's a keyboard player. And uh, he They're put out a series me. of albums as well. But he was with them, and they were touring together. And he, he says, well, I'm coming through St. Louis, and he you know, gave us the time, and it with, was all with done. With the trio or with Return to Forever? No, no, this was not. This, wasn't, this was just George Duke and him, and they had a, a drummer and another keyboard. I don't think it was any, like, Chick career. This was like a solo kind of thing. Okay. He was own thing by the time i met stanley he wasn't anywhere near uh return to forever and i think that that was kind of off to the side mm. and he was touring with this with this other really well-known uh keyboard player by the name of george duke mm. and uh i got to meet with them both they were both there at the same time when i delivered the bass and i got to meet him and everything That's, but it was it was man, a lot of fun what a yeah what a awesome all right, so we're so we're gonna life. get Bill Frizzell, Vernon <laughs> Reed, and Stanley Clark all <laughs> in the same room. I mean, yeah, I mean Clark Clark is royalty. I mean, oof. yeah, he is he's great. He is good. Wow. And then from that point, so that was your first build, and then uh, when uh-huh. did you start developing? Uh, I guess what you would call your your parlor series. Um. That was always something that was in my mind, but it took a while to do that because before I did that, like right after I was, I built this, this base for Stanley and I built a couple of seven strings and then there was a body design from that bass and that guitar, uh, the seven string guitar that I built for a guy that was a solid body that I sold to a, a company, the rights to it, to a company by the name of Conklin, Conklin Guitars and they're in Missouri. I think they're still around actually, that sounds but familiar. they bought yeah. the rights to all of that from me. And then I just took that money and invested in some new equipment that I the first time even having was to, to, to start building arch tops. So I built arch tops for a while, hollow body guitars. And uh, then I started teaching it for a little bit. And, uh, you know, I took on several students. And after that, I put all that to the side and I opened a small shop that, owned, that focused only on on refurbishing K's, harmonies, and, you know, silver tones and things like that. And through that shop, I met another incredible player. You might have heard of this guy. His name is Alvin Youngblood Hart. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't heard of him, he's, Google him. He's, he's 
crazy good. He's an incredible no, musician. Yeah, he's on a he's on a lot of soundtracks, and you know, he's he, he to me he's like he is truly a keeper of the flame when it comes to the old school real blues, and he plays it, and he's a huge fan of that same type of equipment that I was at the time. This this is about two thousand, back in two thousand, and uh, you know I met him, and that's when I got the idea. Well, I want to do this is what I want to do, you know, because I'd always seen him playing like these stratotones and things like that. And I said oh, I want to make something that's like that, but it's more you know still me. So that's when I you know decided to actually start designing something but it was a minute before i did that because i knocked it all off uh i had an accident with my left eye and that caused a lot of problems and not to mention eating up a bunch of insurance money for me but um i went back to school and i went to school and i studied design and two types of design first i went to school and i studied ranking uh, technical college, and I studied electrical systems design. And then after that, I went and I decided, well, let me see what's up with graphic design. So I got an associate's in graphic design, and that kind of cemented it. Because after I finished the graphic design, just associate's degree, I thought, well, let me um, let me continue down this graphic design thing. And at the same time, I started looking for a job, and it, that was at that point where the recession had hit, you know. And the housing bubble had broken. I couldn't find a gig for nothing. Mm. I mean, just nothing. So I got an offer to build an instrument using my graphic design skills, but they knew I had a background in instruments. So the Contemporary Art Museum here in our town uh, got me to do this instrument for the Contemporary Art Museum. And it was basically a they first what they really wanted was a skateboard with a neck on it. Now I'm against that. Too many people have done that. You know, it was like, nah, I'm not doing that. So they, what they wanted to do is hand me a skateboard deck and they had me do something with it. Well, I took it and I made a lap steel. And uh, that was the first oh, nice. time I made my own pickup and everything. And I figured, well, lap steel will work because in this day and age, not a lot of people are paying attention to lap steels. They don't really know quite, you know, they don't realize how popular they were maybe back in the day you know, the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And uh, I said, I'll do this. I'm not putting a neck on a, a skateboard. Like, I'm just not going to do it. So I did that, and it went over really well. And uh, from there, I got some offers to teach guitar making again. And one of the guys was this guy that is a major furniture designer, and he owns a company called Global Custom Furniture. And he had me... Uh, I, I, I did a, uh, a workshop with him and some other guys in a, a really nice, which I had never had before, a really nice woodworking shop. And I taught it was a weekend course over, I think it was two months, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a minute. But I did that. And the instrument that I built is what you see now. I didn't know that I, that's what I was going to build. I just just started designing because the thing was they wanted to watch the process. You know, I used the rule of 18 to lay out the fret spacing. You know, it was all there wasn't just punching the numbers into a, you know, Stuart McDonald fret spacing program and get the answers. I showed them how to do the math to get it all the way down because that's how I learned it out of the Benedetto book. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I did that. And uh, the first instrument I built was the, you know, was the catalyst for what you see now. And I just kept going down that road and building more. So once that class was over, I just came home and just continued to build to what you see now. And I just kept elaborating on it by 
designing. The pickup has been through a bunch of different uh, evolutions. I just kept evolving it, and the bridge as well. So, and then on top of that, it, this story goes off in so many different directions, like with my uh, designs. Like, uh, I use 3D printing, and I also use uh cnc milling as well you know i have a right. desktop so CNC you do mill. you do have aluminum pickup covers right that's where the I cnc alum- yeah those are tight right i've been, I've been looking the at these thing- for a long time and i'm like look <laughs> at these there's nothing else like them these are the only ones he did his own and they yeah. are cool i mean i i imagine they are single coils and i'm imagining that uh, that is You're a right. north or south side of a bar magnet that is uh, in the You're talking about the bridge? The bridge pickup, yeah. The bridge is – the bridge – I, you know, I generally run uh, north. Okay, Sometimes so I'll that's – You know, I'll, I'll put the south up. So that's – So what, that is the – so I'm right. Is that the edge of the that magnet? That is the pole piece. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. that is that is. They so are, cool. but I'll tell you something else. they they that bridge pickup is not a five. It's it's a two. Sure. Uh, the the you know, five a lot would be of people like to do, yeah yeah too bright. So I you know yep. I go with the two. And uh, another thing that's kind of misunderstood about that is that you know aluminum kind of robs a little bit of your top end. Mm-hmm. You know even if it's even if it's like you got that exposed pole piece in the bridge position, it'll still rob a little bit of your. You know your top end. You got that little Faraday's cage thing going, but it'll it'll rob a little bit of your top end, and uh, that's purpose. And uh, the neck is is uh, those are fives, and they're individual pole pieces. You just can't see them. They're inside. Right. Okay. I got you. I got you. Right. That is, uh, robbing the top end makes it just sound a little sweeter. Just overall, it, it does. Yeah. And there's a way to compensate for that too. To get just get it right in that sweet spot, which is what took me so long with them. Yeah. I you know I, I wind them with forty three gauge and mm-hmm. and I'm using a five hundred k pot instead of a two fifty two yeah yeah so there's all these like little tricks that, you know because I was just looking for this just I wanted a, a sweet spot that you could use a flat wound or a round wound with and that you know that that took a little bit more doing than most people would yeah. think to get it just right and I you know I managed to do enough of them and it's like I said it's been through uh, a serious you know evolution but it's right where i want it now so pretty much right out the gate you were making your own pickups you designing and making your own pickups yes were you doing the uh, milling at the same time or was that uh no the the milling the milling came in a little later the reason for that is is it's funny because out the gate i was hand cutting everything even though i was using aluminum on the pickups Mm -hmm. but as soon as the 3D printer became a thing, and I got it right when it came became a thing, and I got it from the person I consider is the godfather, and uh, that's this guy Bree Pettis. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mm-mm, mm-mm. There's a there's a documentary on him on on a uh, uh, Netflix. His name is Bree Pettis. It's him and two other guys uh, gave us the desktop 3d printer. They were the first guys. They came up with the, the concept and designed it. And Bree was kind of the Steve jobs guy, you know, at the head of this thing, steering it and marketing it and having all this input onto what it should be. But that was literally the first desktop machine. There were some industrial grade ones around, um, 
but he they came out with the first desktop machine and it was called the MakerBot. And uh, there's a uh, yeah, we had documentary one of those at work. On, yeah, there's a documentary about him and this thing, and it's called Print the Legend, and it's about Bray. It's on Netflix. It's called Print, Print the Legend. Well, funny enough, it's something I wanted, but I couldn't afford it because the small ones are like four grand, which is way out of my price range when they first came out. So he saw my work on Instagram. It sounds crazy, but it happened. Wow. And yeah, I didn't, you know, I, I knew he was, but he saw my work on Instagram and he contacted me and just flat out said, I want one of your guitars. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's all he said. So I'm like, okay. So I, you know, I was like, okay, we have to decide exactly what it is you want. You know, what do you want me to build? And you know, that's what I shot him back. And he goes, okay, I'm going to do that. And then maybe a couple of weeks later, I didn't hear from him. So I sent him an e- another email. I'm like, well, you know, have you thought about it? And he just gives me an answer. He goes, well, you know what? I just want you to make what you make, but if you could just put some cool wood on it somewhere, you know, something that looks really cool somewhere. And that's exactly what, you know, I, that's what I did. And the instrument that he got, you might have seen it. It's on my Instagram. It's a strange looking instrument. It's it's natural wood and it's got kind of neon green sides and a neon green cover yeah. plate. on. It looks like, sort of like a resonator. Yep. yep. And we're looking at it yeah. right now, actually, by by happenstance, right. not on purpose. <laughs> well, he um, he that's his instrument, and he got it, and he fell in love with it, and he commissioned a second instrument. Wow. Now, the thing we have to know about him is that he sold his portion of MakerBot and went on and founded a new company called Bantam Tool. And Bantam Tool, that's what they make. They make desktop CNC machines. Well, he immediately sent me one. Uh, <laughs> right. It's good to have friends in high places. <laughs> yes. And what's cooler is, you know, I've got a second one coming, an even larger one coming from his company. It's, um, I mean, it's in the process now. I'm waiting on it. But that opens me up to do even more stuff. But what's most important thing to me is that I'd be able to, I, you know, I, for me, it's, I'm not going to make a guitar that has, I, I just say it, like, I don't want off-the-shelf parts on my guitars. I want the whole guitar to have an identity, the same way when you first saw Fender, it had an identity. When you saw Gibson, it had an identity, and they were their identities. Yeah. And it seems like what's happened is, there are body identities that I see a lot, but I don't see, I don't see that. And for me, the hardware and the pickups are all part of it as well. And I don't see that. I see a lot of different bodies being made, but they tend to put a Telecaster pickup in and then drop a, a Gibson bridge on it or just, you know, they do all these different things. And I, yeah. you know, I'm not opposed to that, but it's just not for me. I, I want you to be able to look at the guitar and just get the whole idea of what, I'm getting at as opposed to just trying to different with it. I, it's not just different that I'm looking for. I'm just kind of, yeah, well, that, you have to commit voice. completely to that. And that's, I think that's if, cause if you just stick a, an odd part on there, I mean that, you know, that can be cool, but it's it an can. entirely different thing to say, no, I'm going to commit to a completely. Yes. You, know, it, it, you really have to have your thought out your aesthetic for that. You you absolutely do. You know, you know, it's funny that you said it commit. There's another bass player. I'm, you probably know who he is. There's Marcus Miller. You know yeah. Marcus Miller is? Yeah. Marcus Ooh, Miller yeah. is too. <laughs> <laughs> he he said something that, that stuck with me like a ton of bricks. He, he was you know, he was asked about his style and you know how he does and what it takes to become a 
great bass player. And his answer was, you know, you cannot have a style unless you're willing to commit to something and let everything else go. You're going to lose something, but you just have to commit and just be in this one spot. Yeah. And I, I agree with that 100 percent because I don't I don't know how somebody's going to take the fact that I'm doing 23 and a half inch scale length or I'm using woods that most people before wouldn't go near or the fact that I, you know, my bridges are aluminum and brass as opposed to the metal that everybody else is you know, using, I, well, I, I just knew what was going to be right. Aside and just, from woods and even, and, and actually I want to, if you don't mind, I'm just going to divert this just a little go bit. Go ahead. You uh-huh. know, you're, <laughs> I, I say this in the kindest way, uh, <laughs> you looking at your guitars sometimes reminds me of walking through my grandparents' home. That's which, cool. That's, which was, that, you know, they were, they were Air Force, uh, they were Air Force family in ah. in Edwards at Edwards Air Force Edwards. Base in yeah. California, and you know all of their furniture, even when I grew up, was stuck in the late fifties, uh-huh. early sixties. <laughs> Everything Fly. was, was mid century. So, and that's right. not that's not just like you know low furniture. It's no. it's all kinds of different materials. So I'm seeing swirled you know swirled mica top and right. Uh, you've got, you know, like, a, almost like, um, you know, it almost looks like PCB, but it's like fiberglass kind of stuff. Almost. Uh-huh. You got, uh, translucent plastic acrylics, a- yes. acrylics and, and shapes that don't have any business being there. <laughs> I mean, but, but, but that was what was cool. Cause they were, they were, everything was yeah. spacey and right, shaped right. and like, this is like, when you look at this, it's like, if, if like I don't know, pick any blues player, you know, Howlin' Wolf or Muddy, Muddy Waters or Robert Johnson or whatever, was was in the Jetsons. Right, 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 <laughs> right. No, you're you're right, you're right. I mean that that that, that is what's up. And uh, you know, it's funny because when we think about like blues players and that, it isn't that they were just trying to stick with these like this old guitar or whatever. They were they they did they weren't they weren't thinking of themselves as like the old blues player or I'm playing <laughs> blues or whatever. They were they were their own rock players. And yeah. like like when you look at the, um, Albert King with this flying V, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's another one that was the guy who used the super all the time? I mean, there was all these blues players and I can't even remember some of the ones, some of the smaller ones that you see. Like, what is he doing with that guitar? You look at Bo Diddley with his square guitar. Yeah, they were know, trying the to evolve the their dots, idea like, too. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah, right, right, exactly. But so it's all, you know, it, it's not like anybody's trying to stay one place. You know, they're just trying to be, you know, yeah. just be hip, be hip in their, you know, yeah. in their own way. And for me, you kind of nailed it when you said space, though, because I am a junkie for 60s sci-fi stuff. I yeah. love Lost in Space. You know, I love The Invader, you know, all that Irwin Allen stuff. Yeah. Uh, Voice to the bottom of the, the car sea. designers from that era. I mean, these look yes. like it, it looks like one of the car designers would have made some of these things. Well, right. Yeah, there's no doubt. And well, let's face it, we all know that, you know, as is always said to us in design school, that most everything is kind of driven by car design. You mm. know, we look at car, like I've got a guitar that is a pretty, pretty rare guitar these days. It's like the most expensive guitar that Kay ever made. It's a K. 
JS Special Barney Kessel model. Mm. And it's got the acrylic on it, the fancy yep. big head stock with the, the Grover Imperial tuners. It's got all of that stuff on it. But when you look at it, it's just so Cadillac that when you think about the time period it came out in in the 50s, people are like, well, that's a little too much. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you just never know. So, but for me, I'm just blending these ideas that are from kind of like that, but at the same time, it's just what I see the guitar as. I, you know, I'm, I'm not like pretentiously just trying to, well, I'm going to throw this on, it's going to be really cool. I, it's it, what, what's, what's happening with my guitars is just how I see the guitar. I see a little bit of gretchiness in them, you know, a little bit of Gibson in them. I see a little bit of Fender in them, but I see a lot of me and what I liked about those, more importantly, you know, in them. And the pickups, uh, it's, I always just wanted to pick up like that. I just, I want to pick up with the little slots in it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. kind of reminds yeah, me of the Jetsons. Rabbit hole. You know what I yeah. mean? Like the Jetsons. Yeah. Right. It's pretty right. cool. I mean, yeah, it's funny because just the like one Todd thing said. That... <laughs> Did you say that, Todd? Yeah. Yep. It's okay. We, it was, <laughs> we made it it's okay. I, I, I said it really fast. It's okay. But the you, one the thing point still that... stands. <laughs> I think the the one thing that all my guitars that if you look at uh, that I've somebody asked me said that's def that's that I got that from the Jetsons is the control plate itself. Oh man, yeah. but that's the it is so cool. It's so yeah. cool, and it actually yeah. looks like something you'd see like actually on a, on an older um, yeah on an older motorcycle. Right, right. No, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're exactly right. And. Um, you know that that was that was my thing. I didn't you know I didn't want a perfectly symmetrical you know nah I, you know I, I didn't want any of that um, for the control plate. It had to be that little funky wedge. But ultimately, it all kind of came together. When you look at the bridge, some people have noticed that the bridge is kind of taking its cues from the pickups and vice versa. And so is a control plate, you know. But you there that. are people that didn't really even see that. I'm like, yeah, well, you know the bridge. Oh, I'm not a look at that. Bridge is wider on the base side than it is on the treble side. Like, yeah, it is. You know, so it, you know, it, I just kind of in the in again the most uh, complimentary way. This is something that you I could see being sold at like uh, any MoMA, you know, uh-huh. museum. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, right next to the Toyful Birdfish. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, no, for real. He's, yeah. he's another one that I like. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. you know, I, one of the most impressive things that, that I, I read a little bit about is your, uh, your commitment to being environmentally friendly and in, in mm-hmm. your finishes and, and the products and materials that you're using. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, well, finish. I'll start the finish because I get questions about that all the time. I get direct messages and I hope that people are, are finally figuring it out. I, I, waterborne finishes are something that I wanted to do all the way back, as far back as, like I was saying, when I was, you know, first started building, back Stanley, Clark's ba- Stanley Clark base time. And back then, it was hard to find them. Stuart McDonald came out with one, but you had to have so many different things to mix it. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was like, it was too much just to do a waterborne finish. So I left it alone. And I didn't do it. And yeah, I was still using lacquer. I'm really not down with the lacquer thing just because of the things that I've seen with it. But um, I really wanted to do it. And eventually, by the time I'd made the first one of the guitars that you see now, 
I had just gotten a Stuart McDonald catalog and I was just looking through it. I hadn't had one in years. And I was looking through it and there was this, this water-based finish called General Finishes. And I was like, well, there it is. And it was all in one can. Now, I don't know if, if you guys had ever seen the original stuff that Stuart McDonald was selling years ago, but it took all these different things to mix together to make it work. Yep. This was just, you put it in your gun. If you wanted to add water to it, you could, and you shoot it. And that's it. I was like, wow. <laughs> Times yeah. have changed. So I was going to buy it, and I went online, and I started asking about it. And Doug from Cower chimed in right away. He goes, don't get it. It doesn't work. It shrinks up, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, ah, man, no advancement. Well, I bought it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it, and I watered it down myself. And it only comes clear. So you can't get all these colors and all of that. So, I, you know, I wind up mixing my own colors. But I, I got it. And uh, it took me a couple of times. And I figured it out. It, there is a trick to it. You, it absolutely works. Mm-hmm. And there's a trick to it. And, I, you know, I've been using it since I first got it. It's easy to repair. It's very strong. It's not like, you know, you see these guitars from the 80s that have this polyurethane on it. It's like caked on there, right. like a half an inch thick. You know, that's, it's nothing like that. It works just like lacquer. It's, you can spray it like lacquer. You can add uh, water-based uh, tones to it. If you like, which is what I do, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll let this out. If you like, you can buy uh, chalk paints and you can mix them to get colors you want. And uh, you can mix that in and, you know, with the clear and shoot that. There's just so many different ways to use it. It's really friendly. You can spray uh, lacquers and enamels over it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done all kinds of stuff with it. And it's really, really safe. It's, it's really safe. Um, I have a spray booth. It has a little filter on it and I still use it. And uh, I, I absolutely love this stuff. And uh, I probably won't use anything else. I've found a way to get any color and any kind of burst and stain that so far anybody's ever asked me for. That's great, man. Well, it seems yeah, like even the, the automotive industry is moving that direction. Um, mm-hmm. I had some body work done a couple years ago, and um, this company does primarily Japanese cars. But um, he said, yep, we just put in this new system. It's all... You know, it's a, we use water-based lacquer, and I was a, right. little, a little scared at first. But I tell you what, I couldn't tell. Yeah, it's difference. it's yeah, it, it's there. It, they they've gotten it there. It it, it works great. Uh, I've got no complaints about it. And I try and help as many people as possible because people routinely will contact me and ask me what kind of paint I'm using or what stain or what gun I'm shooting out of, and I always tell them. And people, is, I've had people come back and say, okay. They'll, they'll, they know that I'll use water-based. It's okay, what did you use on this one? Was this water-based? I'm like, yeah, it's all water-based. That's all I'm using It's yeah. water-based. Mm. And um, the thing is, is, so I've had people say, well, can you show me how to use this? And they'll use it, and they'll come back, and they'll have one of those typical problems that I experienced when I first started. And I said, you just got to be patient with it. Try this, do that. And, you know, some of them come back, and they finally have really nice finishes, and some of them are still, like, still working it out. But... I look at it like this. I believe that people who spray lacquer have had to go through the same thing. It's just that tradition that has kept us in the same spot using it. And, you know, you know, us guitar players believe, you know, you know, we got these ideas about, well, no, if it's not this wood, it's not 20 years old and came (laughs) off of this tree. You can't use it or whatever. I had to let all that go, too, and just try something different with pretty much everything. And that includes woods because... I, you know, for woods, I was using woods that nobody else was going near when I first started. I was using a lot of Douglas fir. Wow. And 
Yeah, a lot of it. it was the majority of my guitars were Douglas fir, and then uh, I got lucky with this aircraft poplar, which is just the most incredible wood. And unfortunately, it's just not you can't get any more of it. I've gotten as much of it as I can get. Yeah, hmm. but it's just incredible wood. It's super tonal. It's strong. It's it's not really heavy. It's just it's great wood, and you know most of my guitars are made out of poplar and the Douglas fir, hmm. and they average at about six, maybe six and a half pounds. Nice, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, the one thing I had to do, like when I did the bridge, when the bridge was designed, the footprint, the the stud that the screws go in to hold the bridge, was just a little too small. So over time that stud would dig into that fur and it would slightly lean forward a little bit. So I had to design a new stud that's a lot bigger and shaped different for that. But that solved that problem and it definitely, you get the tone of the wood, the body and everything from it. Mm. So, you know, it's taken a while to get all these little things together, but they all just kind of are in harmony with each other. Well, speaking of harmony, uh, on the on our way out of uh, this interview, I want to call attention to my personal favorite guitar that you built. Um, I worked in a vintage Porsche restoration shop for a couple of years, uh, specifically <clears throat> working on three fifty six Porsches. And, wow! Uh, and uh, we also had some racing Porsches and, and uh, two Spiders in there. Oh, which, yeah. So um, oh. I think you might know uh, which one I'm going for. The the one based um, inspired by uh, uh, Shinya Kimura. Oh, Team Eighty. Oh my That's team gosh! 80. <laughs> All right, everybody, get to this Instagram. Get to his Instagram, and you're gonna have to scroll a while. Yeah, that, you're gonna have to scroll it's a while. Way down in the but mix, I'm telling man. you. That is one of the coolest guitars I think I've ever seen. It like yeah, you, 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 you nailed it, angle. nailed yeah. it. I mean, and it doesn't look it doesn't look like you know a Porsche in the sense of what we no. It just has the, the vibe. It has, it has the, vibe, the raw it. features of a racing porch. Porsche. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. That's exactly I, right. I just, I absolutely love it. It's, it's, it is a stunning guitar. Well done, well done. Yeah, I still have that one. Oh, that's the one well, that I decided that to is keep. Incredible. So, if, if you know, somebody is interested in uh, getting in touch with you to order uh, a guitar or have a guitar made, good point. Tom. How would they do that? Uh, I, I always ask them to hit me through the site. Just go to the site and just hit the contact me and go from there. And we go from there. What's a turnaround look like uh, typically if if somebody is ex- expecting to do that? Right now, it, it used to be six months. Right now, unfortunately, it's like around it's close to a year now. Yeah. It's, I'm loaded with with That's work awesome. right now, I'm yeah. trying to get it caught caught up. Well worth but it. I'm about it a year. Awesome. Yeah, yeah a one off amazing guitar that's yeah that's crazy and i love the fact that you, you i mean you're down to the point where you say even the strap is an important part of, of yeah. the sensor and you guys make your own straps too yeah 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 that's because i'm i'm a junkie for those stingy straps i call them stingy straps you know the old oh yeah kind of fender Shoulder. with a little yeah yeah I'm, I'm a junkie for those and i'm like even when you see the ones made, they're not the way that i want them like if you see those little <laughs> aluminum things that the strap goes through on the pad uh-huh I have to literally make those myself and send them to my the guy that does the leather work. I said, no, it's got to be just like this. I want those little little aluminum wraparounds that yeah. hold the strap in. Nice. I said, no, nah, I want the pad to be a certain diameter. I mean, excuse me, uh, width, width and length, length and all yeah. that. 
So I gave, you know, I gave him all the specs, and he's like, well, so I don't know cool. how to make the aluminum part. So I, I make the aluminum parts in Cineco. <laughs> <laughs> this 80. That's, uh, that's oh, just, my yeah. gosh. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, have to, I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for, for builders like you that, you know, do have such attention to detail and insist on yeah. making their own bits and pieces as opposed to yeah. buying stuff True. off the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 it all it's not that I don't up. have anything I don't have anything against stuff, but I, I can't find my my voice that way because it's everything that I buy winds up being a compromise. Right. Like as well, you know, I want a control plate, but I want it to be wedge shaped. Well nobody makes a wedge shape one, so I just put this telecaster plate on there. Yeah. That it, it, everything that I did just wound up being a compromise. I mean, all the way down to the knobs. Yeah. You know, I have to resin cast my own knobs because I want the colors and the, you know, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I just never thought. Now, the one thing that a few people have pointed out, I don't know if you noticed, but for a long time, I was making my own cases, too. Oh, wow. Really, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you scroll all the way down, you'll see I was making the hard shell cases uh, as well. Covering them, putting the linings in them and everything. You know, I just had this idea, this vision in my head. It's like, I, you know, and I, I just not, did still, that one. Get, you're not still doing that, are you? I, I make them, yeah. Whenever oh, somebody you, asks for a case, I, wow. I'll make a case. I still do it. I'll, there's not much that I won't do if somebody asks as far as, like, like moving forward. Like, if you look at the stuff that I used to do, so yeah, I used to do that, but I found that was too much work. Nah, you know, if if, if somebody says, well, I want your guitar, but I want this that car, I want the whole experience. Okay, well, I'll do the case too. And, you know, I have to give some props to my wife. You know, she helps with a lot of this. Like, she's, she's, I taught her to do fret work and stuff, and she's probably a better pickup liner than I am. Wow. Because I've seen her do stuff that I would not do. I remember when I was teaching her to wine pickups, and we were, at this time, I have a CNC pickup liner now, but, but at this time, I had one of the little shatting machines. Oh yeah, they don't. And last I had forever. the the the, the, the I, I've had I had the uh, you know the uh, Jason Lawler book pickup winder, the one that yeah. you build out of a book. I used that for a bunch of years, but I sold that to another guy on Instagram recently because I had too many pickup winders. Um, but she started winding a pickup, and it, it got away from you know it got away from me. You know when it gets away from me, the wire goes everywhere, but it wasn't broken. I watched her undo this thing untangle all of this 43 gauge wire and get it back on track and finish the pickup yep i would have never done that i'd have cut it cut that you know cut that coil cut the wire off scratch mm-hmm. yeah and when i saw her do that she has the patience that you know i just i was like there's no way i would have done that gibson and she, yeah. she she had no problem she wasn't stressed about oh no problem you know and just took care of it yeah, Gibson has been known to splice uh, around five thousand wines in their P- early P nineties in the fifties. That's a lot of wines. To, well, to I mean, splice. ten thousand wines is it's total, a whole pickup. <laughs> but but around five thousand, you'll find because I I I'll unwind a P. Well, I used to uh, unwind a P ninety, and around five thousand wines of unwinding. There it is. It's it's a splice. Right. Um, but yeah, God. that's. It's okay to do that, but um, must have been end of, end of the spools. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. I I, yeah, I don't know. I I'd have to ask John Gundry. He may know more about that, but um, I, yeah, the Shad no Winders—they just. I think I went through three of those before I finally realized I got to get something more industrial that lasts. Yeah, a long, those motors. Long 
Yeah, and you and said you the, had too many pickup winders, man. You never have enough pickup winders. <laughs> well, the one I got now is the one. It's that I don't know if you've seen. It's that CNC Concepts one from UK. It's a beautiful machine. Hey, if you haven't seen know. it, it's on it my. It looks like a tattoo gun on a on a mount. It, it, you know what? It kind of does a little bit, doesn't it? But it, what's so cool about it is. I mean, you can adjust the scatter on it. You, I mean, you can pr- you program the number of turns, the scatter, everything. You just and it's hooked up to your computer. You just hit the button and walk away. It stops when it's exactly. supposed to, and it never breaks. So you know, I'm like this. Where was this at? And now they've designed one that does multiples, which you know I don't need. But I'm like, wow. Uh, but it's it's a mm-hmm. wonderful machine. It's it's you know that's the one I was kind of looking to get to. But I haven't forgot my roots as far as. You know, my first one, which was a Lawler machine. I built it out of the Lawler book. And uh, uh, I sold it to a, a fellow Instagrammer just recently. But I've had that for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just have this one and the Shatton one now. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's enough. Well, speaking of 20 years, I think we could probably talk for another 20 years. I know we'd, <laughs> we'd like to. Um, and I, I'd definitely love to have you back on the show at some point in time. Because uh, this has been a thrill talking with you. I, we've sure. all been just glued to the conversation. And I hope everyone who's listening is equally inspired and, uh, you know, just has, has enjoyed this as much as we have. It's great to know that there are people out out there who are exercising their creativity in, in so many ways and you, you are doing it in so many ways yeah, well so, thanks for having me on yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely we are gonna shift over to jared once he gets his finger out of his nose to uh, to do the uh Maybe to, we shouldn't do the video we thing anymore. We absolutely should do the video. <laughs> no, no, we can't. Hilarious. We can't. We can't. It wouldn't be. It would be so boring. It would take this, the, the, the magic out of it. Uh, um, Jared, you have a would you rather for us, yes? Ladies and gentlemen, we came to one of our favorite parts of the show, as all of the parts are definitely our favorite parts. <laughs> But this part is called Mojo Jojo. It's, it's the mostest favorites. <laughs> Would you rather? This week's Would You Rather is brought to us by our good old executive producer friend Rick Calhoun. All right. So you're walking down the street towards the gig with your bandmates, and you realize, oh man, you made a horrible mistake. You've left your favorite pick at your house, and you have no spares. You only have one pick in this situation. Wow. No, I mean, which is, I guess, okay. Your favorite pick was a 2.5 millimeter pick handmade from casein, and you can't imagine playing anything else. There's no guitar shop open near you, so you look to your bandmates for help. You look at Toddly, and you look at Tony Baloney. <laughs> Tony Baloney, and you look at the uh, good old Rob, and you're like, "Hey, man, you you either get a 44 millimeter pick, 0.44 actually, or the bass player offers you up a 5.6 millimeter pick. Would you rather take the four the point four four millimeter pick? Super thin. Which is it's barely there. It's a piece of paper. Or would you uh take the five point six millimeter pick, which is huge. A big plastic lump. 
Yes. And, and just for the record, a casein is a type of plastic. Or ah, casein. Casein. Uh, yes. Okay. So you don't have your pick. Your two choices are an ultra-thin one that Rob uses. Yeah. Or this sounds like a really <laughs> trivial thing, by the way, but this is huge. this is huge. Or this an is a really big an, question. An ultra thick one that like Stanley Clark would use. Or 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 a lot of like the the you know progressive like prog rock guys are using huge yeah. mega well, thick no, he, insane yeah, picks. Mega thick huge is you know one to two millimeters. Yeah. Not five. That's well, th- no, that's stupid. But but no, no they're no. making that. They're that's not, that's no. like legit. Oh yeah. Who who are players Half that are, a centimeter that are actually using five? Oh yeah. No way, way bigger. You guys, I'm telling you there's a there's I an entire they exist, but I just don't believe actual working musicians oh, are yeah. using these. Look, I'll I'll while we're doing this, I'll pull it okay, up for you. you. Pull I mean, it up. And you pull they're, it up. they get even bigger than that. I mean, they're they're huge chunks. That's crazy. And it's it they're they're are ultra they precision. At all, yeah, or? well, it goes down almost like a diamond point. Ooh. So it, it's for a it's for like a wider finger comfort grip. Anyways, so let, let's talk about that. It's like, you know, the whole, the whole thing, it's sort of like muscle memory. It's like getting a strap that isn't set to you and just said, here it is. And, and it, it just throws you off in such a yeah. huge way. Yeah. All right, Tony. I'm not going to do either. I'll just use my fingers. If I, if I don't have that's my not, that's not part of the deal. You got to pick one. You know how this goes. All right, well, then I'll use the thin one, and I'll stash it up higher in my finger playing. Right, tuck it away. Tuck so. it, tuck it. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, not to get off off subject here, but uh, a couple years ago, fr- a friend of mine bought me a pick punch, mm-hmm. and it's actual mm-hmm. pick-shaped punch that you can punch like a credit card, or I have plastic that I use at the shop that, that I punch my scrap out with. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes a perfectly good pick. But... If I have to choose between a super thin pick and a super thick pick, I w- I'm going to have to go to the super thin, I guess. Um, but I would probably cheat and stash it like a magician would with. Yeah, I can get uh, if you. Yeah, if you get close down to it, it's not going to flop around quite as much. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here, Rob. Yep, Tony's right. Okay. Same thing. That You're simple. on my island. And, and I would do the exact same thing. I'm, I, I usually use these tiny little picks anyways, and so just barely the tips protruding. So, yeah. So I would do this. I, I would just tuck how it way up in there. Things. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's practice. It's, That's the, the, the little jazz Tortex mm-hmm. pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love these. I've been using no. those for like 30 years, I yeah. guess. Yeah. No, I say no to that. Jared, <laughs> how about yourself? I would take the super thin pick, fold that sucker in half. <laughs> use it that way okay yeah that's a, that was or a, a legitimate option thick. but it was still a yeah you could use it thick and then put it on a on a bench grinder there you go or just this, the concrete <laughs> sidewalk <laughs> or the concrete sidewalk yes yep. yeah okay like a, we don't have a pick but we yeah. got a bench grinder You're right i know that's right <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my pick, but I do have my yes. bench grinder in the back seat. Oh, look, goodness. there happens to be a bench grinder here at this <laughs> intersection. Uh, Michael, how about yourself? I would actually go with the thick one. I've used uh, really thick picks. I've even tried those stone ones. I don't really like them. They're really thick, but they taper at the edges. But a thin one's just not in the cards for me. Yeah. I'd have to, it'd be hard, but I'd go with the thick one. Yeah. You can borrow my bench grinder. <laughs> yeah. Carries it everywhere he goes. Well, uh, 
Yeah, I, I have to go with the thin one too, but then I think I'd have to play it up at the top, the top of the triangle, as it mm-hmm. were. So, you know, where, the where there's a, the big part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the big edge, not the tiny pointy edge. Uh, that is not a, that's a, t- why did you make us answer that question, man? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. No, that was, yeah. We, 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 that, it hurt. And this is the, if I, if I'm correct, this may be the first time a guest has been on his or her own island. Well, potentially. I mean, typically, I'm the only I don't, one. We don't on know what Tony Island. Yeah, but you're on Michael Island. Well, that was a great <laughs> question. Thank you, Rick Calhoun, for sending that. Uh, Tony, you got a cu- we got a couple people to thank, and then we're going to get ourselves out of here and say goodbye to our friend Michael. Yes. So, you know, Todd, it's at this point of the show. We do like to thank a special group of people. These are our executive producers. That's right. And, uh, you know, somebody might be saying, well, that sounds like fun. How can I become an executive producer? Well, you go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and check it out. There's a couple of different levels in which you can participate. Each level comes with its own bevy of thank you gifts, things like barefoot buttons and picks and stickers and T-shirts and keychains and all the good stuff. All the good stuff. I just got some more. That, oh, never mind. That, I'll save that for next. Save yeah. that for next. Okay. <laughs> but there's one thing more as an executive producer, in addition to all that great, 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 great stuff. Rob, what is it? You get to have your name read on the thing. <laughs> you beat wow. me to it. You sound exactly Rob, like that's amazing. Jared. Because I say it. You, 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 have a, you have a career in voiceover. Jared's marking his territory. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's do this. So without further ado, I would like to thank, we'd all like to thank these executive producers. Tom Barazin, Martin Cliff, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Michael Van Zant, Ken Sayers, Brian Robison, Michael Senchuk, Stefan Lamb, Anthony Lathrop, John Anglin, Brad Partridge, John Esterly, Justin Jones, James White, Matt Hart, Bill Gola Guitars, Richard Kendall, Tyg Harmon, John Jackson, Jason Rausch, Gary Cooper, Mark Garten, Elad Mazrahi, Mike D, Trevor Gunberg, and welcome this week. Rick Calhoun. All right. Rick Calhoun. With the zinger of the would With you the, rather. Yeah, the would you rather. Made us yeah. all cry. Well, thanks very much, Tony. Wait, 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 Todd, Todd, okay. Todd. Every week, I have to remind you, mm-hmm. there's a special group of executive producers. Mm-hmm. Who are they? They are our grand poobas. Yes. Ooh. They are... Very special. I just got a bunch of new Grand Poobah stuff in there. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay, good. Because we have some shipping to do. Yes, we do. Our Grand Poobas get a special fez to wear upon their head whilst listening to the podcast. And at the same time. And at the same time. They're interconnected. It's kind of like wearing tinfoil on your head. That's right. So special, special, special thanks to these Grand Poobas. Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga. Science of Sound. That's Science of Sound. Because I kind of cut out there a little bit. Cody Foster, Sean S. 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 
Jesus. Tommy Manasco, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Tim Nowak, Tyler Rines, James Pennington, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, Johnny Morales, Mal Sanders, Bob Crouch, and this week, this week, we've got two, count them, two new grand poobas. That's great. Whoa. So special welcome and special thanks to these brand spanking new grand poobas. Spanking new. Sam Jett and Michio Morakashi. Hey, welcome. Morakishi. Or Morakishi. Yeah. More or less a kishi. <laughs> yes. Uh, we are so grateful to all of you. And thank you so very much uh, for tolerating Tony. So, um, <laughs> Michael, uh, we need to tell, remind the people one more time where they can find your guitars and go buy one. You can find them at uh, the cowbrand.com online. And uh, you can also see a lot of my work on my Instagram, which is electrostringed. That's and, right. Yeah, you can get the get to my Instagram through the website. Outstanding. Marvel at those yeah. things. Uh, let's see. Tony Baloney, where can people find you? Well, let's just say you need a special pick guard uh, for a special guitar. Mm-hmm. Go over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the things that I have available for online purchase. But by and large, most of what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you need. Give me a little time because I'm a little backed up right now, but uh, every day is getting better. I got a pill for that. Rob? Uh, MadCowAmplification.com and on Instagram at MadCowAmplification. Perfect. Go get your amp repaired and get amp advice and see all the awesome mm-hmm. things that are going on with your repairs. <coughs> Jared? You can get a hold of me through Todd. Yep, that's right. Because uh, he does, you can't you can't call his desk at Gibson. Uh, yeah, sorry. Anything that you need to uh, shout out to to Jared, go ahead and send to me or Tony. Um, I'll give you his personal cell number. Yeah, exactly. I would still <laughs> love to answer pickup questions, general pickup questions as well. Yeah. So I'm still open for that. So please send any questions you have to the Guitar Knobs Podcast messaging system. Sounds good. That messaging system is a Todd at the dot com. You can also. DM me on Instagram. DM all of us. Uh, that is at Guitar Knobs. And we need to say a ginormous thank you to Michael King, Cowbrand yes. Design, for... Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you shared so much of your time, and we really appreciated talking to you, man. You bet. It's fun. All right, everybody. Have a great guitar week and subscribe! Yeah. What am I supposed to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These these two brutes are drinking Trulies, so all right, Truly. we won't tell anybody. Got some gum or a gaffer tape or super glue. Just- we are. This is where we're gonna. We got a little. Uh, 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 what's it called? Sponsorship. Sponsorship. Thank you. Sorry. That's right. I guess I need to get I fi- some. I a little bit of water. All Todd's sentences. We're like yeah. married couple. Uh, <laughs> That's, That's dangerous. You'll get hurt. Not a toy. Yes, it says so on that. He's got a bag <laughs> on his head. He should leave it there, but it makes You're too just much noise. Make too much noise. He was just thinking of dinosaur-shaped macaroni, and he went. <laughs> 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 you goofball. Here we go. Just figuring it out. Yeah. Your He's experience the master caster. Drink sure. another Shasta. His voice sounds but good because it has to. I'll save it for the show. <laughs>
Cool. Give me your... Uh, wait, what do I say? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a How about a little chicken. bit of this? How about some of this? Give me a piece okay, of okay, chicken. Oh, no. <laughs> Can we? Let's redo this. <laughs> well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.